Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Building Christian Fellowship. Great to be back with you all again today and looking forward to what God's going to do among us here in this room and for those watching online. And uh, I'm so grateful for the the, uh, friendship and relationship that me and my wife have with Pastor John and Pastor Kaya Butcher and uh, just for what that has meant for us over the years. And so so when they asked me if I'm available to come, I was like, yeah. And so... (laughs) Glad to be here with you guys. So good to see you all. And some of you all, others who are from other churches as well, some from, from Liberty and some from our Hearts Like His community on Facebook. Great to see you all here as well. And um, man, I just love hanging out with you. You, you know what? I, as, I, as I do what I do, I go to a whole lot of places. And you know, I'm in a lot of congregations, a lot of atmospheres. And, and there, there's not another atmosphere like the one here at the Building Christian Fellowship. And it's not because the building is so cool. It's because of who is in here and the spirit that you all bring in here when you gather together. And so, uh, so just praise God for that. Praise God for that. Amen. Well, I want to dive in. And so I was told to be done by three. So I'm going to try my best, <clears throat> try my best to, to go fast. Try to get all in by three, by three. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all's stomachs are already grumbling. Um, but we're going to have some, some different kind of food today. Yes, indeed. So let's, let's jump right in. One of the things I want to do, um, if, you have, if you've heard me before, you know that my, my passion is to talk about the heart of God as a father. And, and there are so many things that just align right with us when we understand him as a father. When we look at what Jesus said and what he did, uh, it was all about revealing who the father was and how the nature of his relationship with people on the earth was going to change because of the access that God the father was going to give people to him through Jesus Christ. And so oftentimes when we look at the, the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, and we say, okay, as a Christian, I want to be like Jesus. But there is so much more to being like Jesus and what he was really all about than oftentimes what many of us have an understanding of. And so today, I, I, want, to, um, I want to share a particular perspective of, of one thing that the Father was revealing through, through Jesus. But I want you to, to, to think about Jesus um, as not just a role model whose life you want to follow. It is, but not just that. But Jesus is the way to the Father. And the things that he did in, in person, in flesh, he was revealing to people who God was as a father. And that was a game changer. So, so in this message today, we're going to do a few things. We're going to, we're going to look at the big picture. We're going to take a step back, look at the big picture 
of this whole idea and concept of Jesus revealing the heart of the Father and the nature of the Father, letting people know what his Father was like. And they were going to zoom in to a particular verse, which is one of many examples of, of what we're going to talk about, of him revealing the heart of the Father. And then we're going to back out again and look at a bigger picture. Okay, so we're going to start from the way out. We're going to zoom in. We're going to back back out again. And then we're going to go get something to eat. All right? <laughs> so uh, one of the things that, that has changed my relationship with God was looking at how Jesus taught about his father and the things that he said about his father. Um, and before things shifted for me, I was, man, I got saved when I was nine so I've been a Christian for a while, but there were still some areas in my, my spiritual walk that, that frustrated me because I didn't really see the kind of spiritual progress that I think I should have made by now. Um, with the amount of scriptures that I knew, with the amount of Sunday school classes that I'd been in, the amount of Bible studies that I sat through, and the amount of Bible studies that I taught, sermons that I preached, I just felt like at one point I should be much more like Jesus than I am right now. How am I able to do these things and go through these actions and motions and I still uh, don't like people? How is it possible for me to know all of these verses and, and, I, and I still have hate towards some folks? Uh, so there, there was a gap between what I read in the scripture about the Holy Spirit making me like Jesus and all the things that I was doing that I thought were going to help me be more like Jesus. And part of that gap started to be closed when I realized that the piece that was missing for me was that I was living a fatherless Christianity. Where I saw God as God, way out there, creator of the heavens and the earth, and all this stuff about him, but I didn't really see him as father, even though I've used that word to refer to him in prayer, or I've used that word to sing about him in a worship song, but, but, but the, I wasn't living the reality every single day with God as my father. I called him something, but it was a title that wasn't a relationship. And so when I shifted to seeing him as a father and experiencing his love as a father, that's when I saw more of the spiritual growth and saw more progress in becoming loving instead of trying to act loving. That's when I saw more freedom in my prayer time with him and it, became, it began more natural instead of something that I felt like I needed to do in order to be a good Christian. Things began to shift. And his activity in my heart began to be more clear to me, more apparent to me. I was more aware of the Christ in me, the hope of glory. That was the game changer, knowing him as father. And so you cannot, you cannot go further. Um, and some of the places where you want to go in God, like you know it's possible because scripture says that talks about the oneness with him. It talks about uh, how, how you can experience intimacy with God. And, and there are people in the scriptures who have these relationships with God that are very uh, admirable. And you're like, man, I, 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 want, I want what they had. I want what they had. And, and I really, I, really, I want to be like Jesus for real. For real. I mean, I want to be like Jesus 
when no one is around. I want to be like Jesus in my thought life. In the area where there's really no other accountability. No one else knows what goes through my mind. And so we can be okay with having crazy thoughts as long as they don't come out of our mouth. Because no one really knows. Like we can still keep our ministry position if folks don't know what we really think. We can keep our relationships intact with spouses and children and coworkers. If folks, as long as they don't know what we really think, it's all right. As long as we have a, a boundary where we just keep it in here and don't let it out there, then we're okay. But not if we want to be like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, you've got to be like him here too. So this walk is not about sin management. It's not about image management. Reputation management. It's about becoming like Jesus, who was the Son of God. And he came to reveal to us what it's like to be a son to God. There's a lot of things that Jesus is. And many of those, most of those things that he is, we are not to be. He is the king of kings, but he didn't come down here to show us how to be king of kings. He is the prince of peace, but he didn't come down here to show us how to be prince of peace. He's alpha and omega, first and the last, beginning and the end, but he didn't show us how to be alpha and omega, first and the last, beginning and the end. But he's also the son of God, and that's what he came down here to show us how to be. Sons and daughters of God. And so the things that he did and the things that he said, he was showing us what it means to be a child of God. So when we talk about, well, I want to be like Jesus. It's not just Jesus as Savior. He's not trying to tell you how to be a Savior. But he's a son of God. And that's what he came to model for us. So not only did he die for us, where his blood washes away our sins and we put our faith in him, but he modeled something for us. And you have to see what it is he was modeling for us, and that's knowing God as Father. Some people say that Jesus talked about money more than any other thing. That's not true. He talked about his Father more than any other thing. And when he did talk about money, it wasn't because it's so important. It's because there was so much confusion about it. And so we get a glimpse. We get a glimpse of Jesus all through scripture seeing, uh, pointing about, pointing to us, uh, about the, pointing to the Father. Now, now I want us to zoom in, okay, without, without being the frame for our message. I want us to zoom in on something. Jesus talked about, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you don't believe the words that I'm saying, believe the works that I'm doing, because they're not my works, it's my Father doing the works through me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms and mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. You see, it was all doop, doop, right there. So one of the things that he reveals, watch this, one of the things he reveals to us as what sons of God do is they point people to the Father. And you can't point people to the Father if you don't know him as Father. 
And this is one of the big differences between why some people, Christians, are living Christianity as a religion and not a relationship. And, and you can even say, you know, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But then you live it like a religion. Because you don't know any better. The only way you can live Christianity as a relationship is knowing God as father and you being his child. And it's more than just the scripture. It's more than just a worship lyric. It is a reality that you live in every single day where you know you don't have to perform for him to accept you. He already accepts you. You don't have to act good and perfect for him to love you. He already loves you. And there is a security in his love and a comfort in his presence. And there's and there is a rest in his grace because you know you don't have to perform for him because you can't if you had to perform to meet God's standard what exactly do you plan on doing you can't feed enough homeless people you can't help enough old ladies across the street there's not enough good works you can do to meet God's standard so instead he sent his standard Jesus Christ and when you put your faith in Christ and saying I'm accepting Christ as a standard that you have set and the standard that you are gifting to me and so when I put my faith in him I become in him and he is in me and now in my position in Christ, I have been brought into the family of God. And now since Jesus calls God Father, and now I can call God Father. I can call him the same thing Jesus calls him. You can call God the same thing Jesus calls God Father. Now, you and I know that um, there, are, there are some um, titles that you have in life and based on some formal relationships people use those titles to refer to you but then there are other people who are close to you they call you something else and only those people call you that something else you don't even you protect it it's part of the relationship like don't no one else calls me that but 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 so and so only one person calls me juju b <laughs> right now, that's not a real thing so don't even try to call me juju b Right, my, my point, like only, only certain people, because of their relationship, they can call you something that is a term of endearment. That it's, it's about this personal connection that you have with them and they have with you. And there's some kind of an understanding even about where that name came from and, and, and what that relationship is like. And so only they can call you that. But no one else can call you that. And so Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Calvary, he says... He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Let this cup pass from me. Jesus calls him Abba. And in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, right? our Father who art in heaven, he uses the word Abba. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. He uses the word Abba, Father. And then in Romans, Paul says that the same, uh, that, that the spirit of God who, who dwells inside of us, he, he enables us, he bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And it's by the spirit of God that we cry out, Abba, Father. Not everyone can call God Abba, but you can. There's something personal there. There's a relationship there that you've been not only invited into, but you accepted the invitation through Jesus Christ. And now you can call him Abba. Everyone on the planet can't do that. Some people can try. Like an unsafe person, God, I heard you, I heard you like, I heard your nickname was Abba. He's like, no, you don't call me Abba. 
No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. If you didn't come through Jesus, you can't use that name. If you came through Jesus, I'm your Abba. There's something personal about this. And it's that personalness about God that he wants all of us to dive deeper into so that no matter what goes on in our lives, we know he's with us. No matter what challenges we face, we know he's with us because he's a good, good father. He is a perfect father. He's the father of lights. So, people don't know this about him. All they know is Old Testament stuff. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu, El Shaddai, El Elyon, Elohim, all these Hebrew names, right? And it sounds really cool if you could list them all in there. That's, that's nice. That's not personal, though. It's not personal. So when God sends Jesus Christ to be this way to him, he's going to change the way people relate to him through Jesus Christ. And those who come through Jesus Christ are going to have a level of personalness with God, the Father, that others do not. But in order for God to show people what he is really like through Christ in a way that we don't see in the Old Testament because Christ had not come. Christ is preparing a whole new way to a whole new relationship with God. And so the father sends his son Jesus to not only pave the way for folks to be saved and have their sins forgiven and be his child, but to know what he's like. So Jesus has to reveal the nature of God and to teach people what God is like and what he would be like as father. And so there are things that he teaches that are paradigm shifting. And in order for us to understand how it was paradigm shifting and, and like mind blowing for them, you got to understand their culture because what Jesus said and what he taught was impactful because of their culture. So he taught things in a certain way because of their culture that if you don't know their culture, you don't know how what he said is countercultural. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I'm glad, I'm glad somebody listening. Don't tell him to be quiet. I need him today. I need him today. <laughs> so, so let's look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Verses 1 through 6. This is the actual Lord's prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus actually prayed. And they were going to glance at a prayer that Jesus taught. Okay. John 17, Jesus prayed. And later in Matthew 6, Jesus taught a prayer. Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. And he's, he's getting ready to go to Calvary, down the cross. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all people so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god and the one who you have sent jesus christ let me just stop right there how would you define eternal life how about we define it the same way jesus did the giver of eternal life defines it as knowing god 
and knowing Jesus, the one who he sent. He doesn't define it as perfect church attendance. He doesn't define it as Bible knowledge. He doesn't define it as being able to quote a 50 million scriptures. He said it's knowing God. And all those other things, prayer, Bible study, attending worship gatherings together, all of those things point to and help us know God. But you can do all those things and not grow in your knowledge of God. And so when you come together, you're coming together to experience something about God that you can't do by yourself. When you pray, the purpose is not to try to get God to bless you every single time. You don't want to use prayer as a crowbar, try to squeak out blessings out of God or a vending machine. Let me push the right buttons and my Fritos come out. It's like that, that, that's not what prayer, prayer is about. Knowing God. <laughs> you enjoy that a little too much right there. You just <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have, we have like this, this vending machine. And matter of fact, a lot of pastors will try to do the whole vending machine thing to exactly the buttons you need to push to get your breakthrough. The buttons you need to push to get God's favor on your life. The buttons you need to push to get that promotion that you want. It's a very, very self-focused message. And that's not what it's about. It's, about. it's about knowing God. And so he says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and the one who you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing, watch, how he, watch what he says here. I've glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So he's talking about something that's past tense. I've accomplished, I've, I've done it. Right? I've completed the work you gave me to do. Now what work is this? Because he hasn't gone to the cross, so he's not talking about dying on the cross. He hasn't been raised from the dead, so he's not talking about the resurrection. What work did he complete? I've glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Here's the work that he does. He's done. Verse 6. I have revealed your name to the people. I revealed your name to the people that you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, in this same chapter... We fast forward down to verse 25 and 26. Jesus is still praying, but watch what he says. Verse 25. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Now, there's a lot there. What I want you to pull out is this. I finished the work you gave me to do, which is what? I revealed your name. I revealed. Well, but wait. How is it, Jesus, that you revealed the name of God when we got a whole Old Testament full of names? Didn't he tell Moses, I am that I am? Didn't Abraham call him uh, um, uh, the uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, right? Jehovah Shalom, my peace. What about Yahweh? What about all, the, what about all these other names? Jesus, what are you saying? What, what new thing did you reveal that, we, that the Jewish name didn't already have? Father. They don't know you as father. They do now. I've introduced you as father. 
I've glorified you by accomplishing the work you gave me to do. I have revealed your name to them. Father. See how important that is? Right? Now, now let's, let's, let's zoom in at, at one example of this. One example of this is, um, is Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Right there in the middle, you see chapter 6, and that's where we hear this passage of Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. This is what he says. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven... Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it, go, it keeps on going. But I want to stop at just those first two words. Those first two words, our Father. Because they didn't see God as Father, you have to understand that when Jesus said, well, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, I'm stuck. You called him father. Wait, 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 wait. We don't do that. And you're a Jewish rabbi? No Jewish rabbi starts off their prayer saying our father. They ain't forgot everything else he said. They stop right there with father. What What you mean father? In another passage, when Jesus called him God, his father, they wanted to kill him. It was blasphemous. They're like, no, no, no. He's not, he's not your father. You, you can't, you, you're trying to act like you got this, this like you and God, like, like this, like y'all are, you're acting like y'all are one or something. Jesus, you're acting like you have this special relationship that the rest of us don't have. He's like, I do. But the bigger picture is, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. I came that you may have the same relationship that I have. I came that you can also call him Abba. If you stop tripping and pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you. In the Old Testament, you see the name Father, but oftentimes it's used as a metaphor, not a reality. God is like a father to us. He's not like a father. New Testament, he is. See, that's different. It's different. And so he says, our father. So I want us to, we're going to spend the rest of the time on just those two words. Just those two words. Our father. That's it. Tyler misses today. Our father. <laughs> right? I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Right? Just it. Our father. And many of us, we came into the Christian faith. Hearing, even before you were a Christian, you probably heard our Father who art in heaven. Right? You've heard, heard, heard that. And so we came in with that word being used. For these people, that word was never used. So you gotta see, this, this, is, this is like saying uh, for the first time the world is round instead of flat. This is like people saying, this is an emotional, theological earthquake right here to call him Father. So what the audience didn't know is that Jesus was going to do what I've told you he's going to do. He's introducing, he's, he, he's, he's introducing the, the God as Father. Now, when we see this, we see that when we look at how he, how he did that. So number one, number one, the the personal nature of the father 
is seen in Jesus being able to just say, he's our father. Right? So one of, the, one of the first mind-blowing things to them is that he's not just creator, he's not just God, he's not just way out there somewhere, but, but the Father is personal. Right? That's the first thing I want you to see. Our Father is personal. That's a personal phrase. Our Father. Okay? The, the second thing I want you to see is this. Um, this is what they knew in their culture, and so when Jesus says our Father, it, it's, it's another mind-blowing thing. So let me give you some examples of how you describe somebody important and how people of importance describe themselves, okay? So here is a, a decree uh, issued by a man named Galerius. He was an emperor, and he uh, actually tried to help minimize some of the persecution for the Christians, all right? A letter or a decree was going out, and this is not the whole decree. This is just his introduction describing him and his titles, okay? This was normal in their time, all right? So let's, let's see what he says. So imagine me being sent by the emperor to go out and, and read this, this decree to everyone, and this is how we start off. The emperor Caesar, Galerius Valerius, Maximanus Invictus, Augustus Pontifex Maximus, Germanicus Maximus, Egypticus Maximus, Phoebicus Maximus, Sarmenticus Maximus, five times, Persicus Maximus, twice, Carpicus Maximus, six times, Arminicus Maximus, Medicus Maximus, Amdicus Maximus, holder of tribunical authority for the 20th time, emperor for the 19th time, consul for the 8th, Paterpatria Proconsul. That's just the title. We haven't even read the decree. Right now we're just talking about who he is. That was customary. They wouldn't have said wow back then. That was customary. That was usual. That's how they're used to describing People who are, quote-unquote, important. Now, a little bit later, there's a letter. Uh, this one is in 1891, and it's from somebody who's still in the Middle East. So this kind of tradition carried on from Jesus' time, even before Jesus' time, even up to 1891. So there is a, a Persian scholar who had been visited by an American Christian missionary and, uh, and so that Christian missionary had left and, and gone back home. His name was Dr. Cornelius Van Dyke. And this Persian scholar was writing a letter to this Christian missionary. And, and as he begins and he opens up his letter, this is how he describes the Christian missionary. Like, like for us, we're like, what's up? Like, hey, John. And then we keep on going. But, but not in this culture. So this is how he writes his letter. A souvenir, because he's giving him a gift. A souvenir to the esteemed spiritual physician and religious philosopher, His Excellency, the only and most learned who has no second in his age, Dr. Cornelius Van Dyke, the American. 
as a souvenir presented to his loftiness and goodness and to him that is above titles, who is a propagator of knowledge and the founder of perfections and a possessor of high qualities and owner of praiseworthy character, the pole of the firmament of virtues and the pivot of the circle of sciences, the author of splendid works and firm foundations, who is well versed in the understanding of the inner realities of the soul and horizons, who deserves that his name be written with light upon the eyes of the people rather than with gold on paper at Beirut in the month of Rabia in the year 1891 by the most humble. That was normal. And this culture knew that. They understood that. And he says, as he's revealing the nature of God, when you pray, our Father. Because that's how in you are with him. You don't need all that flowery stuff. He doesn't need all that. He even later on talks about when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Just repeating the same thing over and over and over. Just don't use vain repetition. And what do we do with the prayer that he taught? We use it to do exactly what he said not to do. We don't, don't need all that. Don't need flowery words. We need a genuine heart. God wants worship, not flattery. Worship comes from the heart's adoration flattery comes from the mind's vocabulary often with the intent to manipulate and i remember growing up and people had all kind of names father creator of heaven and the earth king of kings lord they got to list all the names it's like can you can you get to the prayer though what what is it that you what is it that you want to say and it sounds like the more names I know, the closer I am to him. When the reality is the only name you need to know. See, religion will, will convince you that you need, to, you need to butter God up. Religion will convince you that, that you need to be impressive, especially if you pray publicly. You want everybody to know that you know all the Hebrew names. And it doesn't even matter. doesn't even matter. God made it possible for us to just say, Father. That's it. Father. Father. I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. Father, that's it. You see, Jesus is breaking down their view of him, of, of God. He don't need all that, Father. He's making a way for you to know him as, as Father. And so not only is Father personal, but this, this our Father is simple. It's simple. It's easy to use. Our Father is simple. So the phrase, our Father is personal, and our Father is simple. 
That's how much he wants you to be connected with. He made it simple. Don't call me all day. You ain't got to go through the whole alphabet. Just father is good enough. I send Jesus so you can call me father. Not so you can call me everything else. But so you can call me father. So I can be your father. You can be my son. You can be my daughter. Just call me father. And let's talk. Let's talk. Stop wasting 15. You on Google trying to come up with stuff before you pray. What the? You don't got to call me no Hebrew. You ain't Hebrew. Don't call me no Hebrew. (laughs) Listen, this is a Jewish rabbi teaching people how to pray. And he says, Father. He knew all the other names. So as a matter of fact, let's think about this. What is it about? This is a little different. Another thing that's a little different. Jews oftentimes start their prayer by saying, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When a Jewish rabbi opened up the prayer and said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who's Abraham? Jew. Who's Isaac? Jew. Right? Who's Jacob? Jew. That's a Jewish heritage, Jewish lineage. And so a Jew who's talking to the God of the Jews says, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then why is it that Jesus uses a word, Abba, which is not Hebrew. Abba is Aramaic. Why would a Jew who speaks Hebrew use an Aramaic word to describe God? See, even today, if you convert to Judaism, they're going to teach you Hebrew Because Judaism has a language, Hebrew. If you convert to Islam, they're going to teach you Arabic because Islam has a language, Arabic. That's the holy language of Islam. Hebrew is the holy language of Judaism. So when you say your prayers in Judaism, Hebrew. When you say your prayers in Islam, Arabic. But when you say your prayers in Christianity, what's our language? There isn't one. Because Jesus specifically chose an Aramaic word, watch this, that was not attached to one ethnic group. When you pray, say Abba. It ain't Hebrew, because he's not just the father for the Hebrews. Every ethnic group, every race, every tribe, when you pray, you can say our father because he is the real father of many nations now he's not tied to one ethnic group 
just the Jews, just the Hebrews. Jesus uses a neutral word that can be used by people of every nation to all call him father. And they knew that when they heard it. They knew of the significance of him intentionally leaving out. When you pray, say, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he left it out intentionally. See, if you don't know that, you don't, you don't know what he left out. He left it out intentionally. It's not God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Father. Our Father. And so part of what you see here is, is Jesus casts a vision that the phrase our Father is for all people. It's for all people. Not only is our Father, that phrase personal, not only is it simple, but it's also for all people. And so now when you notice throughout the rest of the prayer, it is a communal prayer. There's not, uh, it's not a prayer of singularity. It's a prayer, that, uh, it's a corporate prayer. Our, it ain't just you, our Father, right? Give us this day, our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Don't lead us into temptation and deliver us from all evil. It's us, us, us. It's corporate. Just in the phrase, our Father, Jesus declares a vision for a global community. A global community of people who from every tribe, race, language, whatever, who can all come as his children and all come and call him father. And so on the end of the book, you see John have a vision, a number that no man can count. And there are people from every tribe, every tongue, every language, all gathered around the throne, all having been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, all having their sins forgiven. And they're all have come as God's children and can call him him father and that in that time was revolutionary and need I say in our time is revolutionary our father and Jesus declares that there is a broader community than just those who are Jews and so when, when Jesus is saying these words in Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, he's not just um, giving us a script. Like that, that, that prayer has been used as a script. It's not a script to just repeat over and over and over. <laughs> Y'all looking at me like I just, the blasphemy of all blasphemies. It's not, that's what Jesus taught. Don't use vain repetitions. And we use a prayer that he, that he was trying to explain some principles. And we think that's just, that's just the best prayer in the world. To just, if you're in trouble, say the, say the our Father. If you're this, that, our, that, that's not what it's used for. That's not why he shared that. He shared it to change some paradigms that they were believing. And as he changed the paradigms that they were believing, he was revealing to them who the Father is. He is personal. You can come to him in a simple way. And everyone is invited. The whole world is invited. And so, now let's back up a little bit. 
And let's look again at John 17, verse 25 through 26. And then I'll pray about ending. (laughs) Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you. And they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known. Watch this. So that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. I revealed your name to them so that the love you have for me may be in them. Let me get uh, three volunteers to come up here quickly. Just anybody that wants to be close to God. All right, good. See, that was quick. That was, that was, that was good. And um, so I want, you to, I want you to stay right there, right there, and just face this way. And you stand here in the middle, and you face this way. And then you stand right there, and then you face this way. Okay? So we're going to have God the Father. We're going to have Jesus, right? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have us, all of us here, okay? The believers, children of God. Jesus said, Jesus, he said, Father, I have revealed your name to them. I revealed your name as Father. I revealed your name to them so that the love you have for me may be in them. I revealed your name to them so the love you have for me may be in them. Jesus is the son of God. God's the father of Jesus. And as the father of Jesus, the love of the father is in Jesus. Jesus knows God as father Jesus is loved by God as father, right? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved son, right? Jesus has the revelation of God being father. And because God is his father, there is an understanding he has of the love God has for him. So now Jesus says, I've revealed your name to them. So that the same love you have for me will be in them. Reveal the name so there's the same love. The name and love. And this is where you have Christians who don't know their love by God. Because they don't have the revelation of the name Father. When you have the revelation of the name Father, you have the love. Now, does God love you? Of course he loves you. I'm talking about what you believe. Your, your, your receptivity to God's love as Father. He loves you. But you and I know, we got, sometimes it's us, sometimes the folks we know, they're not living like they're loved by God. Like they know they're loved by God. Again, I'm going beyond just repeating John 3.16. 
Do you know God loves you? Oh, yeah, for God's a little bit. No, stop it, stop. Do you know he loves you? Well, yeah, you know, the Bible says, I'm, no, 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 no. Do you know he loves you? Well, I, okay, let's talk about that. Right there. I have revealed your name to them so that the love you have for me may be in them. There's another verse in that same chapter. He says, Father, I pray that they know that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. He is God. Has always been God. Always been God. Always been with God. And he says something in this prayer. He says, I pray that they know that you love them as much as you love me. The perfect one. And the messed up one. How does that happen? Don't take that person. I don't know your business. <laughs> just all jacked up right here. Just, 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 just a mess. Just a mess. Right? But he represents all of us. And that's why it's tough for us to step into this relationship. And I want you to step right in between them. And I want you to turn around. Step in between them. I want you to turn around and face them. And this is where the Father places us right here. And we can't get it. Because we're like, what about my past? He's like, I forgave it. Yeah, but what about that one time? No, it's under the blood. Like, I need you to know, not in your head, but in your heart, you are new. You're part of our family. Ain't no, ain't no stepchild in the family of God. You are in. And so Jesus praying, I pray that they know that you love them as much as you love your perfectly spotless son how can that be possible because he made you perfectly spotless in christ that's why that's why so he doesn't run from your mistakes he brought you in the family because of your mistakes he doesn't run from your sin he brought you in because of your sin you can never disappoint god you can never embarrass god you can never do anything to cause him to turn his back on you no not ever he is father and father for eternity you are secure in christ that's why he made it personal that's why he made it simple that's why he made it for the whole world Nothing you can do to exclude yourself from the invitation God makes to you to be your father. Thank you. Y'all can go sit down. Y'all give him a hand. Y'all give him a hand. Amen. Amen. I didn't mean to get loud. I just got excited. This is what Jesus was trying to say about his whole ministry, all of his teachings. You can come. You can come. And you can be your father. Let's all stand. Oh, okay. Now, many of you today, 
Some time ago, you made this decision. Somebody said, if you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, won't you come? And you came. And you accepted Jesus as Savior, but you never accepted God as Father. And he is a complete stranger to you. Right now, you would say, oh, I'm cool with Jesus, but God's kind of scary. That's fatherless Christianity. And how can you live out your identity as a child of God and not know God as Father? So we throw that phrase around. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. No, see, you... But you're living like you're a child of a stranger. You're living like you're a child of an abuser. You're afraid God's going to come down and punish you when, you when you make a mistake. That's not him. And see, there are all kinds of things people had in their mind about who God was. That's why God, the Father, sent Jesus to straighten it out. So he even told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I came to reveal the Father to you. And so at the end of Jesus' life, before he goes to Calvary, he's praying, he's saying, Father, I did it. The work you gave me to do, I did it. I revealed your name to them. I revealed your name. I revealed you as Father. So this is a different invitation today. First, I do want to offer God's invitation to you to know him and to be saved, to have your sins forgiven. If you are not saved, if you're not a Christian, the only way to God is through Jesus. It's through believing that when Jesus died on the cross, God takes the blood of Jesus and uses it to wash away all of your sins, past, present, and future, so that when you stand before God, he sees you as flawless and perfect and spotless because he has placed you inside of his son who is flawless and perfect and and spotless. And you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And if you're here today and you have never made that decision to be saved to have your sins forgiven by God and you want to make that choice today I want you to raise your hand right where you are if that's you the other call I want to make is for those of you who are saved but throughout this message you've been realizing that you've been trying to live a fatherless Christianity. You've been trying to follow Jesus and kind of neglecting God because he's just weird or mean or judgmental or whatever. Listen, they're all one. You can't be in a relationship with one and ignore the other one. It's literally not even possible. And that's why for some of you, your Christian life is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Sometimes you come here just because you, it's, you think it's the right thing to do. It's more than that. And you want a relationship. It's a relationship with the whole Trinity. It's a relationship with God as Father through Jesus Christ, the Son, empowered by the Spirit. You can't have Jesus and the Spirit and neglect God. No. 
No. That's less than fulfilling. It's less than real. It's not the real thing. The real thing is all the thing. So if you're a Christian, you're saying, I, I want to know him as father. I accepted Jesus, but I didn't accept the father. This is a call today for those of you who are saved. It's not about salvation. This is about intimacy. You're saved. If you believe the cross and blood, you're saved. But I'm talking about spiritual maturity. 